0: You'd be taking a little bit of a a yield hit relative to your high yield credit, but I think you're overall protecting yourself on a downside for the rest of the year.
1: Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. As the vaccine rollout in Canada picks up pace, equity and fixed income markets are gearing up for higher volatility, inflation, and tighter credit spreads. In this episode, Chris Heeks and Matt Montemiro discuss banks, investment-grade bonds, mortgage-backed securities, and dividend-based strategies as defenses against potential turbulence to come. Before we hear from our experts, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca.
2: Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETFs call, our weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm your host, Mark Rays. I'm the head of product for BMO GAM Canada, covering ETFs and funds. Today, we're joined by Chris Heeks and Matt Montemuro, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Chris focuses on equity and derivative strategies, while Matt focuses on fixed income ETFs. For this week, I'd like to put the focus back on income. Certainly with markets looking richer and fixed income yields popping this year, uh, there's a lot more challenges and a lot more interest in in income. And of course, we've seen some of the uh, factors that have been out of favor last year come back a bit into favor this year. Let's start with an update on ZED. Uh, which has certainly outpaced the Canadian market year-to-date in terms of total return, uh, but still has an indicated yield of of north of 3.5%. What are your expectations for Canadian banks, considering the budget that we just received this week from the federal government? Thanks.
3: Yeah, thanks, Mark. And I think um, the budget is just going to be a continuation of what we've been seeing in the market overall over the past year, which is... You know, record amounts of monetary and fiscal stimulus, um, I think, you know, if that is not a record fiscal stimulus um, amount in the budget, I'd, I'd be quite surprised. I'm pretty sure that's a record by a long mile. So fiscal stimulus kind of continuing in spades. Uh, but going back to the yield, you know, starting with the yield, as, you know, we've been talking about the yield on the banks um, as a metric to evaluate them for, for, for a few months now. You know, like you said, on the underlying banks, they're still yielding about 4%, and that's right in line with the historical average. Um, so solid yield. Uh, Bloomberg Analyst Consensus um, is buy across all the six banks that are held in ZDB. So all those uh, large banks are, are all rated buys. And, you know, I think overall there's a lot of things still working in their favor. And, you know, starting with that monetary and fiscal stimulus backdrop, not only have we seen fiscal stimulus in the Canadian budget, we're seeing it in the U.S. as well. Um, and what that's leading to, you know, along with those low rates from monetary policy, um, you know, you're, you're seeing, you know, it's good for economic reopening. Uh, future interest rates are increasing, which is which is tends to be good for the banks. And with all that stimulus, you have less credit risk. So, you know, a lot of kind of big picture things that are working in the bank's advantage. You know, I think in terms of looking kind of out over the next few months in terms of what are the kind of further catalysts, you know, one thing many market participants are looking for is a potential dividend increases. So the banks, um, you know, through the COVID, um, you know, pandemic have been, um, from a regulatory point of view, you know, told not to increase their dividends. So they've been holding them steady. Um, I think a lot of investors are looking for those uh, restrictions to potentially uh, come off this year at some point, and you know it would be quite likely if they do, you'll see at least some, you know, if not all, banks potentially raise their dividends. So you know that would obviously be welcome from investors, particularly particularly ones seeking uh, <clears throat> income. You know, one nice benefit is you know we're at a four percent dividend yield on the banks, but if the dividend yields go up, you know that four goes to four point two or you know, for say 4.2%, and that's just from a 5% dividend increase, perhaps, perhaps it could go higher. So from a valuation metric point of view, again, it's going to be wind at its back. But yeah, overall, I think um, with what's happening, you know, big picture wise, still um, a lot of momentum with the Canadian banks. So we're still seeing, you know, a lot of uh, client interest from from an income and also a growth point of view. Great, thanks for that, Chris. And certainly, with the banks uh, being a
2: core part of the Canadian market, that's a that's a great outlook. Uh, I think for the Canadian market uh, overall, especially considering the supportive budget that just came out uh, this week. So Matt, let's go your way over to fixed income. We certainly know the challenges year to date on broad fixed income with with rising rates and a steeping curve. But what's certainly uh, look a little different is high-yield bonds, which have which have held up so far. Can you comment on spreads and your expectations uh, using our ZJK unhedged or ZHY hedged ETF? And as you do so, can you, can you put it in the context of investment-grade corporate bonds, uh, thinking about our ZCB ETF? Thanks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, year-to-date, high-yield has been one of the best-performing segments of the fixed-income market. I think when you look at market sentiment and you look at the optimism for the opening and of the, the reopening of the economy, you know we've seen high-yield spreads come roaring in, uh, leading to strong outperformance relative to uh, investment-grade credit since the since its peak in, in mid, let's call it mid 2020. Uh, default rates are down and have been relatively muted uh, relative to those initial expectations that we were fearing um, immediately after uh, the pandemic in March and April, as we saw you know, a record number of companies start to default. So what we actually see is that, that those default rates are much less than we initially expected, and, and that has been a big driver of outperformance over that period. Overall, due to the uh, low rate environment that we're in, we've also seen a record number of issuance over the last 12 months. Uh, You know, the Bloomberg very liquid high yield index alone has increased the number of bonds in it by close to 30%. So all in all, I think this has been a fantastic environment for high yield credit, leading to some uh, quite outlandish fixed income returns in in my opinion. So if you, you know, especially in a market with minimal duration uh, impact on returns, you know, since March 2020 high yield has returned over 20 percent and spreads continue to grind tighter so you know if, you, if you've been in high yield and you rode that wave you've definitely been compensated for that, that additional risk that you've taken and in very very strong performance over the last 12 months um, but looking historically you know as we continue to see those spreads tighter or grind tighter, um, we are near the tights in terms of high yield OAS, as well as high yield spreads relative to investment grade spreads. So again, that, that starts to worry me a little bit when we're looking historically going back, you know, five years, close to 10 years, you know, we haven't seen high yield spreads at these levels. You know, they are close to where we've seen it, but they, again, they continue to grind tighter. And the sentiment is, you know, as we reopen the economy is going to improve, you know, you would expect, to continue along that path. So that does uh, have... I do have some concern uh, with that going forward. You know, I think with the rate volatility that we've seen thus far in 2021, with uh, rates pushing upward on that reopening news, you know, I do expect this to be a headwind for high-yield, and I think this could be a factor that starts to cause a little bit of a slowdown. Uh, I'm concerned uh, at high-yield spreads at the current levels. I think looking forward, um, I think as rate, uh, rates continue to rise. I think investors who have been reaching for yield, using high yield as that, uh, as that conduit, will start to look elsewhere and they'll start to look to move up the credit curve into IG, as you mentioned. I think you know, that's just a natural progression as rates start to rise. You know, investors look and they do the trade-off between risk, risk and reward, and a lot of times they can move up the credit curve and still get that yield bogey that they were looking for. I think that this is going to lead to some spread widening and some underperformance over the you know six to twelve month term for high yield, and then when I compare this to the outlook of ZCB and Canadian credit, um, I still see room for spread compression in Canada. I, when I look at this uh, Canadian corporate spreads, you know we're still about ten to fifteen basis points wider than we saw pre-COVID, unlike high yield, which is tighter, and five basis points wider than historical averages, which again. Uh, it's it's wider in Canada in investment grade versus high yield. So relatively, I would say there's more value in investment grade right now than we see in high yield. Um, so you know, that's where I see the value. Uh, I do have some concern with with ZCB specifically, just given the duration exposure. It's the full term. So that long duration exposure, given this rate environment of rising rates, I think there is some downside there uh, in ZCB. So I personally would be looking at something like ZBBB, which is providing that higher yielding credit exposure, uh, but a duration, which is similar to high yield of around four years. So that's where I would look to kind of move up that credit curve, uh, enhance my yield in in the portfolio. Of of course, you'd be taking a little bit of a, a yield hit relative to your high yield credit. But I think you're overall protecting yourself on a downside for the rest of the year, which could be a little bit of uh, tumultuous returns for for high yield in in a market that has been uh, exploding for the last 12 months.
2: Thanks, Matt. Some great points there. So keeping an eye uh, towards shorter duration, but potentially improving your credit quality at this point might be prudent considering the returns we've seen in high yield. Matt, I'll stay with you on the fixed income side of things. Uh, We've been seeing more interest of late in ZMBS, our mortgage-backed securities uh, ETF. Can you comment on your outlook for Canadian MBS, you know, as a parking spot, sort of putting cash to work? um, And maybe combine that with some comments, if you have any, on the housing market, where I think we were a bit surprised there wasn't anything to cool it off in the budget and just maybe comment on the backing of those mortgages in that ETF. Thanks.
0: Sure. So, you know, as I discussed, uh, you know, for you know, high yield and investment grade credit, you know, I'll, although I do see value in investment grade, the trend has been that credit spreads ha- have come in at a historically fast pace. We've seen credit spreads uh, come in from the wides of, uh, uh, that we saw in March. And continually, month after month, grind tighter. So I I do think a lot of conversations I'm having with investors who who are starting to be concerned as to, you know, at some point we're going to see a little bit of widening, a little bit of normalization. Can't just continually tighten spreads for you know 14, 16, 18 months uh, uh, in a row. So that's where I think Zed MBS comes in, um, because I think a lot of investors are starting to be concerned about the spread tightening. Uh, they, they view uh, the companies being able to raise capital uh, at historically low rates. You know, what are they hiding? What 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 is that making up for in terms of, you know, some additional risk in your portfolios? So I think overall there's a, there's a large contingent of investors who are actually looking to de-risk their portfolio and de-risk that income stream. Now, I think adding uh, a more defensive tilt to their fixed income Using ZMBS is, is a product that uh, continues to pique a lot of interest. I think if you look at the growth that we've seen in that ETF this year, uh, it's almost doubled in size year to date. And I think a lot of investors who are looking to de-risk are looking at something like ZMBS as a perfect complement to their portfolio. Yeah. I think what overall what ZMBS does is it provides exposure to the mortgage-backed security market. Uh, it, it helps protect on the downside versus you know, a more a credit-focused like credit product. Um, the MBS market in Canada, this specific product, we, we invest in five-year mortgages that are fixed. Uh, and the key here is that they're 100% guaranteed by the Canadian government. So essentially, you are getting federal government exposure, but with a yield pickup of about 30 basis points. Since the mortgages are five years, the, the duration exposure is about two and a half. So it does fit within the theme of reducing that overall interest, uh, reducing that overall interest rate uh, risk in the portfolio, uh, given the rising rate environment. Uh, so I do think ZMBS is is a, an attractive complement uh, in your defensive portfolio. Uh, overall, it, it enhances your yield. Again, that thirty basis point pickup over federal bonds. It lowers your overall portfolio duration all while taking, you know, 100% government exposure. So there's zero credit risk in this uh, portfolio. The the Canadian government has 100% explicitly guaranteed these mortgage pools. So, you know, you do mention the exuberance in the housing market and and what we're seeing, you know, this product would be unaffected by that because of that explicit guarantee that the government has made on these insured five-year mortgages. So, you know, I think uh, it, it's something to think about, something to consider as, as you invest in this market. But I do think that explicit guarantee by the, the federal government does provide a little bit of downside protection, a little bit of uh, sense of security in terms of what type of credit you're getting. So, I would look at ZMDS as an excellent piece uh, to de risk your portfolio, you know, move away from, from that credit overweight. Uh, and enhance your yield. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a nice uh, middle ground there, where you're not giving up, you know, half your yield in this low low yield environment, but you're also de risking as a whole. So, you know, I think ZMBS is something to be considered, and you know, based on the year to date flow, it's definitely something that investors that, that has peaked investors' interest uh, so far in 2021.
2: Great, thanks for that, Matt. And I think it is critical to really explain uh, that backing of the MBS because a lot of people just immediately associate it with the housing market. But clearly, that backing makes the story a little bit different.
1: You're listening to Views from the Desk, a weekly edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're enjoying today's discussion, we encourage you to check out our deep dive episodes where we take you under the hood of BMO GAM's product suite. Tune into episode number 11 in this same podcast series, where we take a deeper look at BMO Global High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWG, a triple threat solution that uses options to grow the portfolio and manage downside risk.
2: Chris, I'm going to come back your way Um getting more and more questions in on dividend strategies as advisors noticing dividend strategies really outperforming in 2021. Uh, certainly that's a bit different than the risk-on market that we saw last year where they where they trailed. So can you comment on the performance of ZDB, our Canadian dividend year-to-date, but as well highlight a few of the names that have been real positive contributors uh, this year? Thank you.
3: Yeah, for, for sure. Thanks, Mark. And yeah, like you mentioned, uh, the, the, the main theme of last year um, and the year before that really was U.S. large cap tech. Um, you know, as we talked on the podcast, you know, and, and obviously U.S. large cap tech doesn't pay much dividend, if any dividends. Um, but, you know, as we've talked about, this, this reopening trade really kicked off in November last year and some of those beaten up exposures and dividends and value would be included with those. Um, really started to bounce back from a performance point of view. And yeah, if you look at year to date, all of our dividend strategies are are outperforming the broad index equivalents. You know what I would say is, um, you know, D V is certainly no exception, and it's continued to um, to kind of build off that strong end of year performance. If you look at it year to date, it's up twelve percent. And our ZCN, which is our TSX Composites, up 10%. So 2% outperformance, you know, consistent with that theme of dividends outperforming um, in this reopening environment. Um, If you you know, looking at name on a name basis, you know, on the index, there's a couple things that have been lagging. Uh, So if you look at Shopify and gold equities, they've um, been somewhat of a drag and have been consolidating over the past few months. And, you know, a Shopify doesn't pay a dividend and gold equities are um, low or no non-dividend paying as well, you know, ZDVs is underweight, so it's been beneficial from that point of view, you know, as the market has shifted into these more cyclically oriented names. Um, and then on the on the positive side, in terms of what's working in, in the existing holdings, can uh, start with financials and banks in particular, right at the top of the list? And we were talking about that, uh, you know, off the top of the podcast, but You know, banks are outperforming by 5% uh, to start the year, so they're up about 15 uh, versus the index of 10. Um, So certainly, and and that's across the board, we hold all six big banks in Canada in the dividend strategy as well. Um, So good traction there. Other financials are benefiting. Great West Life is, is a standout within the fund as well. You know, also benefiting from, you know, a lot of those same themes that we talked about, you know, off the top of the podcast and then if you looked at a couple other kind of non-financial names um, a couple that that really stand out um, Brookfield Property Partners so a REIT um, and we've, we've talked also about REITs you know REITs were um, punished I think it's fair to say um, during COVID um, but we're starting to see you know over the last few months um, recover, recovery happening in that space and we you know kind of expect that to continue to happen as um, you know, as markets reopen and as, as stores eventually reopen, of course, it feels pretty pretty grim in Ontario uh, this month. But but we do expect the vaccine rollout to continue and and, and eventually to have that recovery there. So, REEDs have been recovering in advance of that news. And uh, last one I mentioned is Magna. Magna's um, you know pays a solid dividend, but it's a large company, and and we're overweight in ZDV, and it's up thirty percent this year. So, I think very consistent with a you know what. Typical reopening name. You would expect more cyclically oriented names to outperform, which Magna is, you know, as a car part supplier, and you know that's just another name that's outperforming. So, yeah, overall dividends are you know performing quite well, and um, you know it looks like with some of those trends in place, perhaps you know there's more legs to that outperformance. Um, certainly, um, certainly I, I think you know with the vaccines rolling out, continued stimulus. Um, you know this should be
2: definitely constructive for the strategies great thanks for that chris i think a lot of us uh so much time focusing on uh, some of those tech names and the large cap names that uh, it took a little bit to catch up to uh, the story of the, the dividend strategies really breaking out so investor interest advisor interest certainly picking up at this point Last question before we uh, go to the lines. Um, Wouldn't be able to talk about income without mentioning the covered calls. So, Chris, using ZWG, our global covered call, can you give us an update on call writing premiums, market volatility, and, of course, performance, uh, now that we're really a year past uh, that market correction?
3: Thanks. Yeah, so, you know, much like the dividends, the performance on our, High dividend cover call suite um, has been very strong. Um, looking at ZWG in particular, it's a great barometer. It's our global high dividend kind of one-ticket global portfolio. Uh, Year to date on the performance side, it's up uh, 8.1%, and if you look at the MSCI World, it's up about 7.5. And keep in mind the 7.5 that's before fees or any withholding tax. So um, it's outperforming as well, which is which is great to see. Um, You know, in terms of looking at the portfolio, you know, I think looking at a cover call strategy, you always want to look at the underlying and then looking at the call overlay as well. You know, we just talked about the underlying dividends on a global basis have been pretty strong. And and it looks like that, you know, some of the factors driving that are still in play. So um, you won't say too much about the dividends, but these are, you know, these companies are large kind of blue chip companies you know in our cover call portfolios we tend to hold larger companies um for for option liquidity so these are quite large blue chip companies and they're performing uh well leading to this outperformance year to date um on the option side uh, you know like one thing you know you we see is as market rallies uh the volatility comes down and we're at all time highs essentially we're pretty close to it but um, you know, our volatility, the VIX index is at 18. It's a pretty healthy level overall. You know, pre-COVID levels were still probably closer to 10, 10, 11, 12 at the most. So it's still a nice bump from that point of view. And what that means is um, we can generate, you know, that good level of income. You know, on this portfolio, we're targeting an extra 3 to 4% in, through the option premium. And it can make it quite, you know, um, feasible to achieve that if you look at the strategy it's yielding 6.6% net to the client you know it's a, it, again it's a great source of growth and income and way for investors to access that you know on a global basis in a in a one ticket solution so certainly um, you know a lot of our cover calls do have that dividend tilt to the underlying and you know that's been working for them as well thanks for that chris I think at this point, I've taken up enough of
2: the call with my questions. Uh, Let's check the lines and see if there are any questions for Chris or Matt. Hi there. Thanks a lot for taking my question. Utilities dipped a bit a few weeks back, uh, and they're starting to drift up again. Can I have your thoughts on your covered call utilities mandate, ZWU, versus your equally with ZUT? Thanks. Yeah, uh, thanks for the question.
3: Yeah, I think... um, you know utilities are, they, like you said, they did dip there. They're 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 coming back a bit. You know I think utilities themselves are pretty good sources of yield. Now, like our ZUT, it's yielding about three point three percent. Doesn't sound like a lot, but you know I mean, in the context of where you know some of the yields of other asset classes are, it's a pretty pretty healthy yield. You know the other thing in ZUT is uh, because it's equally weighted you know, versus a market cap weight, you get a little more exposure to smaller companies. And and some of those smaller companies are are renewable companies. So if you look at ZUT to pure play utility fund, a um, little higher weight to renewables. And we're you know we don't have time maybe to go fully into renewables, but but we're we're excited about that asset class over the long term. Um, and paying paying a strong yield. Now if you look at the ZWU, um, you know what that gives you with the cover call overlay is you know, that extra 3 to 4% income tilt, and it's actually yielding 7.5%, you know, this is going to work well for your, you know, for your clients who have that, you know, more of that income um, income demand. Um, so at 7.5%, it's, it's a sustainable dividend yield, you know, driven by strong underlying dividends as well as that option yield. Uh, the one thing ZWU has is not only does it have exposure to utilities, it also has exposure to pipelines and telecoms. So it's a little more well-rounded, and, and it's also Canadian as well as you some U.S. as well. So it's a little, um, little more of a multi-sector approach, but you know, still an excellent, I would say, satellite position to um, be invested in slightly more defensive sectors, you know, utilities, telecoms, and pipelines, and um, you know, deliver a. A high amount of yield so i think it's a um, you know a good source of income and gives you some extra exposure again to those more uh, defensive sectors
0: good morning um so there's a lot of news about the rebalance in clean energy etfs and the dislocation so with such a large rebalance uh, why aren't there any impacts on the price of the etf uh
3: great question yeah so um There was a very large rebalance of clean energy. So our Clean ETF, uh, we tracked the S&P Global Clean Energy Index. That index uh, last Friday went from a 30-name portfolio to an 81-name portfolio. Um, This was um, a special rebalance, and and the index is adopting a new constitution methodology. Um, Really, what they're trying to um, achieve is to be more comprehensive and in particular have better liquidity because as this, as this market sector, market uh, niche is growing, um, 30 names really wasn't adequate anymore. So it was re- really a positive change from an index construction point of view. Um, you know, did unfortunately necess- necessitate about a 50% turnover to get from point A to point B. Um, but but one thing we, we noticed, um, particularly as ETFs have grown, you know, over the past many years is the rebalancing of them um, somewhat counterintuitively, in my opinion, has become somewhat easier. Um, there are more market participants involved with ETFs. There are more fundamental investors aware of what's happening within ETFs, such as this rebalance trade. Um, so what that, what that kind of means is, as ETFs are more ingrained into the market eco, uh, ecosystem. Um, the more eyes that are on the ball, you know, the smoother those trades are gonna be because there's more offsetting liquidity. Um, so if you look at this rebalance and it was quite large because there's over, um, you know, we just launched this ETF, but there are, um, you know, well in excess of $15 billion linked to this index. Um, but what we, what you saw is over the past month, um, very little price movement in the actual underlying stocks. So I think it's, you know, a great vote of confidence that ETFs have been adopted into the overall market, uh, you know, eco ecosystem and such a large and, um, you know, almost profound trade for the space, you know, was accomplished with very, very little market impact. So, you know, it was really, you know, A, I think we're really pleased with the the new index methodology and what that will mean going forward for investors in the space. You know, much better um, construction methodology, we feel, for the theme. Um, But B, yes, certainly we were, you know, very, very pleasantly, um, you know, satisfied with with how that, index actually rebalanced and, you know, with very little impact to end investors.
2: Good morning. My question would go to Matt. Uh, Matt, a lot
0: of us are using Canadian press, you know, U.S. Uh, treasuries linked to inflation, U.S. tips, you know, to counter the, uh, the hikes of interest rates. What's your view on the core position, the, uh, you know, the ZAG, the, the aggregate bond index, the FTSE Canada universe, is it still core and to which percentage of the portfolio should we go core versus exploring like the B, the Z tip, or the Zipper? Thank you. Absolutely. And I think looking at the FTSE Canada universe and, and ZAG in particular, uh, you know, I think it remains a, a core aspect of your you know, fixed income allocation. I think when look, making investment decisions, it's always important to, um, to you know, protect uh, for short-term volatility, but also set yourself up for, for long-term invest, a long-term investment horizon. And You know, Zag is something that has a little bit for every environment, uh, although, you know, year-to-day performance has been um, a little bit challenged just due to the, the, the uh, quick rate rising that we had seen, but overall, I do think it still has, you know, those core aspects, it still, it still has exposure to, you know, the entire market that's going to provide strong performance uh, in, in every type of environment. But what I, I think what you, you bring up is a good point as to, you know, how can you protect yourself during a period? So do I think it's a core piece of, of the portfolio? Yes. Do I think you can uh, do a good job of protecting yourself? Uh, from some short-term volatility, absolutely. You know, I would look at, like you mentioned, I would look at, you know, 5% allocation to Tip or ZTIP.f as a way to uh, m- uh, mitigate inflation concerns. I would look at a 5% allocation to ZPR as a way to mitigate and take advantage of rising rates. You know, so have that little bit of an offsetting uh, exposure from you know, a negative drag on fixed income due to rising rates. You know, ZPR will provide some outperformance there. And I think there's a lot of tailwinds in the sector that are just even beyond rising rates that I think you could take advantage of within your fixed income portfolio. And then looking at something like I mentioned earlier, ZBBB. Um, or even uh, just shortening your, your duration on 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 ten to fifteen percent of your portfolio using something like ZSB, which would be the same type of exposure as ZAG, except shorter term, or or focusing on ZBBB or ZCS uh, as a way to you know insulate from rising rates, you know overweight in, in credit. Um, I think those are things that you can do in the short term to protect yourself. But again, I, I don't think. This is the environment where we're saying let's let's sell out of our entire fixed income portfolio and, and fully rebalance. I think you can make tweaks along the periphery. You know, maybe allocating that 25% uh, of that core allocation to some of these uh, peripheral um, ETFs that would be a nice complement to your overall uh, fixed income allocation. I think you know, if if the end goal, if you're if you're right now, I'd be looking to reduce my duration add credit exposure where where I see value, and try to really protect uh, against some of the volatility that that I expect in in the near term. So, you know, I think ZTIP.F, ZPR, ZBBB, something like ZSB or ZCS, those would all be prudent additions to to help insulate your portfolio for the short-term volatility that we expect.
2: Great. Thanks for those questions. I think at this point uh, we'll wrap things up. Like to thank everyone for listening in. Uh, it's great to have that participation today. Uh, thanks for your time as well. And of course, thanks to both Matt and Chris, some great insights covering a lot of areas of the market, some investable, tradable ETF ideas, uh, and positioning points per, for portfolios that we can all take back to our own days today. So, thanks once again to both of you, and thanks to everyone for joining us today. And have a great day.
1: Thank you to Chris Heeks, Matt Montemuro, and Mark Rays for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the benefits of shortening duration risk and improving credit quality on fixed income allocations with BMO's B Corporate Bond Index ETF ticker ZBBB and the BMO Canadian MBS Index ETF ticker ZMBS. For the equity portion of your portfolio, consider the BMO Canadian Dividend ETF ticker ZDV. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca. That's BMOETFs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.